Hey, it's John Reed, and man, I've got a usual suspect with me at Success Connect. What's up? Great to be here, buddy. The infamous Jared Pazahonic. <laughs> Thanks for having me. The demon of the tweet stream. <laughs> <laughs> I have tried to have a active social presence this week. The uh, dreaded Pesky question guy. You haven't had as many of those. I'm uh, hearing a lot of things I like. So they've been ticking off a few, a few of your uh, bones of contention from the past. It's definitely true. So uh, that's something. We can definitely talk about that as well. Yeah, but I'm sure we can come up with a few. So anyway, we are basically about halfway through the second day. We've had both the keynotes. We had a Mike at Link keynote yesterday. We had a more product-focused keynote today. So I'm just going to throw it out to you for some general reactions. Yeah, I wasn't a big fan of the keynote yesterday. I, I do commend the SAP team for um, trying something different. I mean, I'm a big fan of trying something yeah. different. Um, it didn't work for me. I happened to talk to several people. It, I didn't hear very many positive um, things from that, just as far as the format. Um, one right. thing I like that you mentioned, which I think is a fabulous idea. So Mike Etling or your team, if you happen to listen to this, what John mentioned was, how about doing a similar format to what you had this year, but having a customer interview you exactly and i really like the the angle that is i'm a big fan of having customers engaged uh, in the proceedings and i have to say today before i even had a chance to say where right. are the customers which is sort of my classic yeah, tweet yeah. that i have sort of ready to go already the, lined the, up the initial thing they put brought three customers up on stage with a very uh, interactive uh, event that i thought was pretty neat in the fact that they each got to present an idea and the winner, chosen by the audience, uh, got their idea, um, will have their idea uh, developed by SuccessFactor. So I thought that was a and it was neat a little it was a recruitment-related re related thing, right? Yeah, I believe the recruitment yeah. won. So. Yeah. So, yeah, they, they, I think they had a strong comeback from yesterday where, um, try to think of a nice way to put this because I don't want to slam someone too hard. Uh, a a so-called celebrity personality from inside of SAP moderated the keynote, and I think, I think it was a very poor fit. But uh, having said that, it's not really fair to limit the assessment of a conference to you know how well a particular keynote went. So, wh what's your feeling about this event overall? Do they accomplish what they set out to? What what things stuck out for you? I mean, I think it was a. And we talk about the keynotes. It's important for everyone that wasn't here to know that there was also keynotes in the evening, um, and and I thought those were excellent. Um, Bill McDermott, I believe this is the first time that he's gotten up and spoken at an HR conference. Um, Which, by the way, is one of Jarrett's <laughs> stumping points. <laughs> one, one of your tweets, you're going to have to cancel scheduling that in the future. <laughs> yeah, I have been pretty adamant about um, you know the SAP leadership team uh, being at these events and, and the vendors in the marketplace that are their competitors are doing that. But the nice thing is, uh, you know, Bill gave you know, talked about some of the things I think we've heard him talk about before, but a lot of people in that audience probably never heard those stories. I thought that it really connected. I liked the back and forth with, with uh, Mike and Bill. So, so overall, I thought that uh, that went very well. And then, you know, and to hear something that was very interesting, because we talk about, you know, having an executive there shows how committed SAP is to HR. But they mentioned two times that I found very interesting was that more money of the R&D budget is spent on HR than any other uh, domain area of SAP, which I found very fascinating. I'd never heard that before. And yeah. then to top it off, to have Magic Johnson come, I'm a huge sports fan. Uh, right. I had heard a lot of his stories, but I hadn't heard them all. He was very captivating with the audience. I mean, he had the audience in the palm of his hand 
the second he walked out on stage, which was pretty pretty phenomenal. So I really uh, I really enjoyed that at, that as well. It was a tour de force of of engaged public speaking, engaging the audience. I, I will say that. Um, I think it was you that mentioned afterwards. It would have been nice to hear from a couple of his failures along the way. He <laughs> he once had a terrible talk show, for example. But anyhow, he did a nice job. Um, there were um, a ton of announcements, but none. I don't think any of them were really earth-shaking, but there were a lot of things to keep track of. For example, uh, a shift to sort of continuous performance management from like a yearly cycle. Um, not all of these things are available today, but now there's a new app store. Uh, we could pick on that a little bit. Uh, <laughs> Eliminating bias through machine learning, uh, themes about diversity in, in hiring diverse workforces, uh, Slack uh, integration, which raised questions to me about Jam, actually. Um, I'm sure I'm pissing some people off <laughs> just by saying that. Uh, and, and one interesting thing on the App Store was ServiceNow as a partner for App Store integration. Very interesting. Yeah, I did find. I mean, I've heard Mike say before that uh, that some of our competitors are also our friend. So I think it's what it, I saw Craig Power uh, post frenemies, which are your friend and your enemies. But I, up until recently, and I believe it's true that ServiceNow is a competitor of SAP. Uh, but then to hear Thomas Otter talk about you know back four or five years ago with different technology stacks in order to get these partnerships in place, real partnerships and. We've we've all seen the announcements where they're um, marketing partnerships, but some of these, when you're building apps and stuff, these are legitimate. They have to be legitimate partnerships if you're planning on you know selling those apps. And he just talked about how it was easier than ever uh, to to expose the technology and and have vendors be able to um, um, you know build these apps. And so I, I think it's a I like the idea of apps. I've, I've liked it for a long time. I believe there's lots of use cases for HR and apps. I just question the same thing that SAP has struggled with. We now have another app store. I mean, there might be five or six app stores out there. Um, right. How do they market them all? How do they get people out there? And it's a thing if people aren't don't know where to go, they're not going to buy them. And if they don't buy them, vendors are going to realize there's not enough money here to develop them. So it is, it doesn't seem like it's an important thing, but I think it's a vicious circle. And I don't understand why one person at SAP can't say, this is our app strategy. We're going to have, you know, uh, you click on this link on the tab and you go to the HR and you go to this. I mean, it doesn't seem like yeah. rocket science to well, me. Well, one thing, I, one thing that I, I will admit really ticked me off was that, a while ago, I had a discussion with some folks at SAP about the proliferation of app stores, and they have got rid of a couple of them. But I pointed out that sapstore.com and store.sap.com are still two different stores, and they said that was going away. The old store is still up there. What the hell is going on? And so you think about the success factors, AppConnect, wouldn't it have looked a lot better as a subset of the digital store, where it could have been an HR component of that store? And, and sort of pushing towards a more seamless experience for customers, all apps in one place. For sure. And there was a Success Factors app on that store, if I'm not mistaken. So, I mean, to me, the other big thing about it was, I don't know how long ago this decision was made, and was it rushed just to announce it here, yeah. but it, you go to a website, and on it's a picture of 100 vendors, and you click on that, and there's nothing behind that. Well, 20 or 30 of these vendors have working apps. So how difficult would it have been to right. have where you click on the company's logo for the app to show up. So it just shows me that it's it's still a ways away. I, I'm hoping that SAP revisits the strategy about 
how they're going to uh, market this, where they're going to put it. I, I mean, I, I don't know if that's all set in stone right now, but right. Um, I just think that's an area that uh, I hope they don't make the same mistakes they've made over and over and over. Speaking of which, one of your past stomping grounds is around the mobile uh, experience with the sex success factors. And there were some mobile announcements today that stem from the Apple success factor. Well, Apple SAP partnership, basically. What is your current feeling about the mobile experience? Yeah, I haven't really di- dived too deep into that. I mean, I, we all heard the announcements at Sapphire. Now it looks like there's a mandate and it's a smart mandate. I mean, to have success factors and success factors already did work on ios and you know android devices so to me like i saw some new things today it did look from what we saw was pretty neat i don't know if that's uh just a demo wear at this point or that's actual offerings i think i can't remember if they said they're coming or not but but either way i mean it's a smart strategy in hr uh with millennials to have more processes on devices and and i didn't get the impression that they were um, forgetting about Android, I, it sounded like they were going to, I think it's easier to develop on iOS to start with and then, and then tackle, tackle Android. And Holger made a good point because I'm a, I'm an Apple person. So I sort of think this, this one way, but he was just saying like in Europe, it's an Android market. So, and SAP is, plays big in that market. So to me, they're going to have to, you know, offer their offerings on both platforms. So if you're a success factors customer and now you, you spent a lot of time on customer sites. What what for you are the concerns that you still have going forward? Or is it things like support? Is it uh, skills aspects? Is it value consulting value to implementation costs? Is it functionality? Where are your concerns? Yeah, one area that's not is functionality. I mean, the functionality has come very fast over the last several years. Um, functionality is coming a lot faster than most companies can consume it. And it's one of the reasons that there was a pretty big announcement here. It really didn't get a lot of airtime, but, but going forward, Success Factors is going to have two main releases a year and two what they call minor releases a year. So for customers, I had a chance to talk to, uh, to Adam, who's, uh, not sure his exact role, but uh, he's very high up in the whole data center infrastructure team on and SAP leads that team. And he was telling me that if I get this right, the plan is for the Q4 and the Q1 will be more, um, technical updates behind the scenes. There'll still be some things that customers can opt in on. The middle releases of the year, the two in the middle of the year, will be uh, where SAP will bring out a lot of their uh, enhancements and new pieces of functionality, functionality that may, that will cause customers to have to regression test. On the surface, it makes perfect sense. You don't want to do any disrupting the business in Q, you know, Q4, Q1. Customers are more able to, you know, take on more changes, and so I, I like that approach. And I think that that's customers can only take so much change, and so you know, the, the technology is coming so fast. So, not from a functionality standpoint, I think there's still pain points around support. Um, mm. I haven't heard anything about customer satisfaction. I mean, I think those do tie together. I'd like to see SAP a little more proactive on tracking customer satisfaction, um, as well as the customer support. There's a lot of initiatives around customer support. So I was at an analyst event in April, and I heard a lot of good things. Um, one thing that I'd never realized was SuccessFactors had outsourced all their IT support, all their all their uh, customer support. They recently brought that back in-house, and they hired three or 400 people. And so... 
you know, Mike Etling is he realizes that service is a strong point of SaaS, and uh, and they're doing some things that are um, that I think are very good there. But I don't know if customer I don't know how long it'll be before customers start to see the um, impact of all the initiatives that are going on. Mm-hmm. On Twitter, you're notorious for. Uh, pushing my buttons and getting me to react strongly to something. So I'm going to turn the tables on you here and see if I can do the same regarding an announcement that came out from ASUG this week. Um, ASUG did have a presence at this show. <laughs> I see your look on your face already. I wish we had video for this one, viewers. Uh, ASUG's Partner Place, which is the um, much-anticipated uh, ratings uh community. Well, I don't think it's just that, but it's focused around ratings for consulting firms. It's not HR specific, but it does tie into a key point that you hammered on a lot around consulting quality and implementation quality. So what are your thoughts on all that? Um, Conceptually, I love the idea. I mean, I love the idea. I'm a big Amazon user. and, And when I go and I see something that's got two stars on it, I really take a step back and say, is that something I want to buy? In some areas, I'll only select things that are four stars. Here's the issue I have with the partner portal is as I don't, there's, there's two issues with it. One of them is nothing that ASOC can do anything about. It's a lot of SAP customers are risk averse. I've had customers that have had great SAP implementations, but the legal department didn't want them to speak at ASOG event. And how this ties together is, do you think those organizations are going to let one of their team members put a negative review about the consulting firm? And keep in mind, a lot of consulting firms are chosen at the CHRO level, the CIO level. Mm. So the fact of, I don't believe there'll be anything but very positive reviews. And if right. everything's a five-star, then then it, then it becomes a, a, a tool that's, <sighs> that's not very useful. And I also believe that if bigger SIs do happen to get low ratings. There's a whole mechanism behind the scenes where they will they will look to fight that and get that reviewed. So at the end of the day, I just I don't believe it's going to do its intended purpose. Mm-hmm. Where um, and I don't know if there's going to be enough use cases. So if there's there's not going to be 500 customers out there rating all all the uh, all the SIs out there. So your concern would be not enough volume of reviews, and then and then. The reviewers themselves might not feel as free to leave like an honest review as as they might feel like on Amazon. It's not like they would necessarily be misleading, but they wouldn't maybe feel as comfortable with a negative review because they're on the line for that. And I don't think many people would give a negative review mm-hmm. because it's just not you know these are big dollar projects and, and yeah. giving a negative review carries a lot of consequences. But you know, at the end of the day, Glassdoor was able to do it, but Glassdoor right. had a little. It was a little more of a, an open. Uh, infrastructure that I think they're going they're going to have with. Well, one thing I will say is I do think eventually there will be transparent ratings of large enterprise vendors, consultancies, and software. I do think there will be. Right now, it's a little more mid markety, like the rating stuff that exists. Like you can go and get a lot of ratings of Microsoft products and things like that. Um, I think that will happen. Whether ASUG can pull that off, I don't know. Um, I'm not going to you know cast judgment on the day of the launch, but. The reason I brought it up is I think it does tie into a broader issue that you are sort of personal about, I think partially because you're an expert in success factors and you worked alongside a lot of bigger consultancies that don't necessarily feel the whole team of deep experts on every project. That's right. not really how they roll. Um, so from a customer perspective, how how do you recommend um, 
HCM customers and SuccessFactors customers, how should they think about skills and consultants, given that it's so hard to get that Amazon-like rating at right. their fingertips? I mean, at the end of the day, you have to be educated. You, you're, you, you know, the interesting thing is I saw that study that SAP put out, and I think I sent it to you or we talked about it, but it was that 70%, and the number seems very high to me, but 70% of decisions made on software, and I assume some portion of consulting firms, are done before they even engage, engage the consulting firm. Personally, I think that number is lower, but, but at the end of the day, it, that's a good number to have. And, and customers really have to understand that you just don't go and have two demos and decide what software you're going to do, and then you, then you pick whatever uh, consulting firm that they, they recommend. Your education has to start early on. There's so, it, the challenge is there's so many resources out there. You know, ASOG, unbelievable resource to have a lot of information. Start getting educated. Talk to fellow customers. Um, you know, there's videos out there. A lot of the things you're going to do, you're not the first. So get as educated as you can because when you're educated and you sit down across the table, it's going to help you determine what software is right for us. It's going to help you determine what consulting firm is right for us. And the biggest thing is even if you get a brand name consulting firm, understand that the, the success of that project is going to be the consultants that they put on your project. And so make sure that just because it's a brand name consulting firm, go out and if you Google SAP failures, you'll see a lot of big failures and big SIs there. You'll also see a lot of very successful projects out there. But make sure that you're not just bringing on a team of 20 consultants. Oh, and then one left. Let's just, whoever you want to bring on, interview every consultant that comes on your project. And people say, well, how can I interview them? Because I'm not, I, I don't know mm -hmm. the technology. I'd say, you can still have a conversation with them. You can still you can still um, ask business questions. They should be able to understand business questions if they're going to translate your requirements into technology. But look at LinkedIn. Do a search on them. See if their resume matches up. Sure. Hey, see if you have someone that you know. Like I love when customers come out and reach out to me and say, "Hey, Jared, I see you're connected to so and so." Right now, in my case, sometimes I don't know everyone that I'm connected to because I'm a. I'll accept all the connections, but. But I bet I'll know someone that knows that person. And, and and those are the things that I think help set you down the right road. Yeah, absolutely. The uh, other fun topic that you're fairly notorious for is the old success factors workday comparisons. You keep a fairly close eye on what workday is up to. Um, and one interesting thing that I think ties ties in here is that it was clear to me from this conference and to some extent from Sapphire, but definitely here, that SAP is thinking a lot about the finance HR combination. In fact, one of the um, success factors folks today referred to a threat. <laughs> They're clearly talking about Workday in terms of the, the finance HR combo play. And so it's pretty clear that's heavily on their minds in terms of the S4 uh, finance and and success factors combo, but of course the challenge there then becomes the S4 public cloud has to be up to speed because there's no way you can really take on Workday with uh, with an on-premise finance and cloud HR component. It has to all be in the cloud. Yeah, I mean there are a couple. Lots of, there's a lot of different angles we could go with that. Um, but it, you know, I, I guess one thing that surprised me is the fact that the public cloud adoption is very low right now. So that tells me that, that, that SAP is starting its journey in, in that direction. And I mean, let's, let's be 
you know, clear they were behind in HR in cloud technology. They did the various things they needed to do to get caught up. That's why the R&D money is there. That's why they've brought in, I mean, they have a, they've brought in a lot of very strong leadership, uh, people from Gartner and, and, and people that were really well, well respected throughout the, you know, the industry, people like Thomas Otter and Yvette and Keith Strodman and some of those folks are, are on Mike Etling's team and Mike Etling as well. So I think from a, I always recommend customers is, do a dog and pony show. Have them come in. Have them look at look at look at your requirements. Do a live demo and 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 really dig under the covers. Don't just don't just assume that everyone's all these solutions are global. One thing I have to right. say about SAP technology is SAP does understand global technology. So everyone right. can put up a sign and say we're global, but SAP really does understand the global requirements, and it is built into a lot of their software, and that's a big deal. Well, and that was interesting because one of the analysts gave Mike Etling, president, a hard time around uh, IBM's use of Workday in the U.S., and Mike was quick to point out that IBM is using success factors, talent, and goals. Um, on, as a talent node, I think a it's performance. performance and goals right. on a global basis. So to his point, right? Right. Global requirements. And it's fascinating, too, because I hadn't realized that the big professional service firms are all making a rapid move to the cloud. Now, it makes sense because they're shifting their consulting practices to the cloud. So it makes sense for them to be deploying internally. But um, from what from what I heard, Accenture is doing a big uh, success factors implementation. And who knows if that's why the success factors uh, CIO got to be on the stage. Uh, we know IBM is going with. Oh, you mean day. Accenture? Accenture, sorry. Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure that's just a total coincidence, Jared. Yes. I'm, I'm sure of that. Uh, um. And someone I saw a tweet. I don't know if it's true or true or not, but that Capgemini and ENY are going to Success Factors, and so it was just very interesting that each of them is putting up a putting up a flag. But keep in mind, all those places we just mentioned do have a workday practice and do have do have a SAP and Success Factors practice. Well, and you make a point too because. In the punditry, we get obsessed with like workday versus success factors versus Oracle and the skirmishes and who has the better functionality. And, but from a customer perspective, it's really more about talking to your peers about what works and what doesn't, bringing in different vendors and approaches and picking the one that's right for you, which may have a whole bunch of different criteria that have nothing to do with, you know, what's on the, the short list, right? That you and I might think about. So, well, one thing I did want to talk about that I, that I, it's something that I feel pretty passionate about, and I really love the direction Success Factors is going. And it's all—it's about the diversity and and the bias initiatives that they have. Yeah. And they they started to announce them pre Success Factors, and I had a chance to talk to some of the workforce analytics guys last night. And they have some—they've had some of this um, availability inside of the software. But what they're looking to do is they're looking to every product decision that they make, they're starting to look at it first from from a diversity. Uh, what type of bias, diversity and bias. And, and to me, you know, I've been blessed with a, both a son and a daughter and the f- thought that if they both work equally hard, my daughter will not get the same opportunity as my son. Right. It's really offensive to me, to be honest. And, and so I, I, that's, an init- that's an initiative that I think everyone can get behind. And, and I can tell that's something that you can tell when people have a, a deep passion about something. And I could see several times in, in uh, talking and hearing Thomas Otter uh, talk that this is something that 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 he really believes in, and and it, and uh, the neat thing about it is, like we saw some demos today that it was very interesting because things like a job requisition, I had just never assumed that job requisitions were were there was bias in job rec- right. recs, and there really is, and they were showing today like a, just a basic spell checker. 
that can help customers. And it's really what they talk about is unconscious bias. So we all know there's real bias out there. No software in the world's going to solve that problem. But, but I do believe there's people out there that really don't realize that they're unconsciously being biased. Or we saw a nine box today. The nine box for you don't know that that's the various boxes on the talent profile where you click a button and it just shows male and female. Which is just a very, I mean, I think it, for some companies they're going to be shocked because, oh, yeah, we're very diverse and this mm. and that. And then you start to go up the, the levels of the organization and you realize maybe we're not quite as, uh, I think it'll be an eye-opener for some companies. Some companies won't want to go there. But I really like the direction that Success Factors is going in this area. And I haven't heard a lot of their competitors talk specifically about this area as well. Well, I, I have a lot of problems with SAP at the moment, but I have to say that the diversity initiatives are compelling. And I think, like, it's starting in this conference, you got a sense of kind of an overarching framework for it, like, where it was not only a priority for the right reasons, but it was being translated into machine learning. Mm. Uh, it was being translated into discussions about bias. And diversity is a competitive advantage, not just as sure. a not just something to do because it's the right thing, but something to do to make you a stronger company. I mean, the video SAP showed Incredible. was that had it had autistic workers. It had a guy who had been homeless for a while right. speaking open. It had openly gay workers, and the way they were doing it, it was just so. I I I almost like teared up a little bit because I was like. I was like, that is the kind of workplace that I'd be proud to work in. And that's also a better workplace in terms of sourcing talent. And that was one of Mike Etling's big points was that the talent shortage is a myth. And I love that he said that because, I mean, there are certainly areas where talent is scarce. But this this notion that, that we're always short of talent is like, no, we're just not tapping into the right communities. Right. And we don't have the right imperative to do that. And so I think if they do this right, they can combine software with with sort of a value system and also a business case. Right. And then that's pretty compelling. Yeah, I mean, you know? it's hard not to get behind something that's that's doing good and, and it, it makes sense. And it's, the, you know, and it's, it's, it's a win-win all the way around. And, you know, on that video, I mean, I hope that video gets more play. I hope that video, I hope they show that video at Sapphire next year. I mean, I, I just think that that's one that yeah. should go to a broader, broader audience. It's a very, it's feel good, but same thing. It was very moving for me to watch that as well. So if you're listening, if you do a search for SAP business without bias on YouTube, I'll bet you'll be able to find it. Um, uh, or try Google as well if you can't find it there. The only counterpoint to that I would raise is that I do think that SAP has a good kind of problem, which is the growth of success factors, the customer counts at Ling's thinking 2000 by the end of the year, whether they make it or not. That's, that's employee central. Um, that does raise skills shortage issues. And my experience has been in the past that partners mostly respond to that through the most sort of generic ways of getting a bunch of people certified. And I, you know, we've discussed this before. We don't need to have a long discussion about certification today. But to me, part of what SAP is going to have to do there is to help partners figure out how to source more diverse talent also, as opposed to just throwing a bunch of people into the academy which usually junior consultants. Right. Um, and we had an interaction on Twitter about this because VJ was talking about how he's found, uh, he works at IBM, 
Vijay Vijay Sankar, how he's found that empty nesters have made some great consultant leaders for him mm. because they have all this deep background and now they can travel again because they're kids. So it, it's, it's an un, it's, it's an un, untapped demographic, right? That right. is not considered, you know, appropriate versus the, you know, but for him, it's like they have way more experience and depth of knowledge than like a college graduate might. And so right. to me, that's going to be very interesting is to see how SAP copes with a very specific skill shortage around the growth that they're having. And I never, yeah. I hadn't really thought of the empty nester is very interesting, but I also think the same concept of, you know, women that are highly educated, they're in the workforce and, and they decide to stay home and, yeah. and raise their kids and they decide to go back into the workplace. I mean, they're, they're just, just they're a little smarter than when they left. That's for sure. And I mean, and, and, uh, you know, and a lot of people will take the fact that they were off the in, outside of the workplace for 10 years as a negative, And I would question maybe, Maybe that's not like I don't know, but it's. I just think it's the thought yeah. of is so many companies do the the cookie cutter job requisition and right. the cookie cutter hire and the same questions and and I just think that there's there's other options out there and I just I hope that companies start to sort of change the way that they're looking on, on staffing. Well, and to your point, there's there's like with the SaaS consulting that we've talked about before, you can envision a work at home mom or dad. Like if a company was open to it, where they would essentially work three quarters time or two thirds time most of the time, raise their kids at home, they would travel some, but then they would also be able to service clients remotely in a way that wasn't considered acceptable in the past. But it, it creates, a, you need a certain imagination and willingness to challenge your own cultural barriers to utilize that talent. The talent's there. They could be extremely talented, but they made a family commitment that they right. have to honor, you know? Yeah. So to me, that's a lot more exciting than the old days of like when I was a recruiter where one of my first questions was, can you travel Monday through Friday? And if you couldn't do that, then I put your resume in another pile, no matter how good you were. You may have to put that old picture that you had with the long hair. Uh, I might have well. to post that. No, but you know, one thing I did like about the conference and I have noticed the last three or four, thing, three or four events I've been to is that everyone is rowing in the same direction. And I think that that's something that starts at the top of the organization. And you might say, well, that's the way it always, that's the way it always is. And that's not the way it always was in, in the SAP, at least the HR world. And so I, I do think that the nice thing is they've consolidated several areas under Mike Etling. They have some clear strategic directions. The, the messaging is, is very authentic. Um, I have, we haven't heard any grand promises or anything. I mean, they are a good example is last year. They talked about intelligent services. It was, I, I, I don't know if it was vaporware at that time, but it was very early. It, maybe it had a, you know, I can't remember the numbers of, of what it, you know, what it had. But a year later, they came back and they also mentioned intelligent services. And they talked about 420 customers yep. had executed, I don't know, 17 million transactions on it. And you know, it's pretty phenomenal, too, because one of the neat things about the cloud-based technologies is customer, I mean, the, the vendors can anonymous, anonymously track so much information because you know it's in their data center so not like they're looking at your information but but they can anonymously uh cross and they can deter, like determine who's logging in like they came up with this preview environment last year where companies can go in and they can preview a release before it comes 30 days earlier so a really neat offering they can actually go in and see which customers are logging in how much usage are they getting out of that so it's just there's some opportunities there that Everyone being in a, in a multi-tenant cloud environment is going to benefit everyone that's in the multi-tenant cloud environment. Right. In fact, I heard some praise of multi-tenancy from one of the presentations that 
was not something you typically hear in a Hana show. <laughs> so, but uh, but we'll anyway, have to, uh, give a shout out to Naomi Bloom, who yeah, has been a multi-tenant um, somewhere. Naomi Bloom is smiling uh, for. You know, yep. what I didn't even know what uh, multi-tenant was. So. She did make a video appearance at the show, too, so there you go. Yes, yes, and that was a, a new award that's coming out, which uh, I'll want to hear more details about that, and I'm sure we'll see it at the next event. Well, there you have it, folks. I tried to uh, put the chip back on Jared's shoulder, but we got, I don't want to say happy camper, Jared Pazahonic, but happier camper. Um, seems like you like the direction, which isn't a bad thing. No, I mean, I, 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 like I said, the rowing in the same. My, my, my biggest problems over the years were was um, maybe overpromising, under delivering, maybe a little mm. lack of transparency at time. I'll just give you a small little example. Is is for years I used to ask how many enhancements in SAP HCM are coming from customers, and I didn't get the answer. So I got very public in saying, you know, SAP is not yeah, developing yeah. for customers, and now it became a huge. Big deal. Maybe that's why I have my uh, I had a troublemaker uh, moniker for a little while. Today, very freely, they say Tom, uh, Thomas Otter stood up and said seventy percent of our enhancements are coming from customers, and it doesn't matter if it's seventy, sixty, fifty. It's the fact is they are working with customers. They know a, a rough number. It, that number, by the way, should never be a hundred percent because customers, the vendor is armed with a lot of information where. The 30, 40% is moving the technology in places maybe that you don't even, you wouldn't even think to go. But the fact is, is they are actively working with customers. And, but that's a perfect example of a bit of the changing of, of the SAP culture. And I think that's a good thing. Well, and it's nice for executives too, because they don't have to be like get that weird look on their face when you raise your hand now, because they, they realize it might not be like such a terrible question. Right. You know? So like win on all sides, right? Exactly. I mean, well, and, and that was one of the key themes of the conference, actually, was leadership and trust and how is it you win trust. And I would and argue, how to win. I would argue, well, winners, we could, winners, right? winners never quit, right? But, um, but I would argue that the key to, to winning trust is transparency and follow through. So there you go. Right. And, you know, I mean, I think when, when customers make the move to the cloud, part of no technology vendor has every, everything that they need. So right. there is a bit of, we want to go with people that we can trust and we know, Hey, we're not going to have everything we had. Oh, but we are going to have 20 other things we didn't have. So net net we're moving in the positive direction, but they want to know that when, when vendors are making promises that they're going to keep that. And two things that jump, I mean, I've seen the R and D I've seen the, the uh, functionality that's come out of all the R and D investment, but I didn't see any signs of anything letting up in that area. SAP knows that HR is strategic and it was funny because we talked a very tiny bit about the the linkage with finance, but they realized that if they lose the HR business to certain vendors, there's a strong possibility they're going to lose the finance business. And and so to me, they're rallying around HR being a, a, right. a real competitive area. And um, and from what I hear, you know, they're they're doing very very well in Europe and Asia Pac. Um, competing head to head with some of the other customers, and, and and in the U.S. they've gotten a lot more savvy on how to how to uh, um, deal with some of their stronger competitors. So it's a good place to be right now if you're a buyer of HR technology because there's some strong options out there for you to consider. Well, I wish we had time to get into continuous performance management because I have some real questions. Although I do think it's progress to to do continuous performance management over the once a year review. I still think the paradigm is pretty deeply flawed. But unfortunately, Jarrett, you want to go see a keynote that's about to start. 
And I have an article that I'm behind on, so Good. I think we might have to save that for another time. Well, thanks for having me. And yeah, we'll thanks for the roundup. <laughs> thanks, buddy.